Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, our Bakta tank of talk. I'm excited to be here. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock, and wow, Bakta Tank of Talk still is one of my favorite descriptions for any podcast, but especially the one that we put out. Yeah, yeah, I've started to say it because it just, it, it makes me feel nice and calm. And anything that makes me feel calm is just very, very welcome. Uh, we're going to talk about something that uh, is calming in a way, I guess, because it's fun, uh, but also very, very exciting. We're going to be talking about why we are excited for the Star Wars television show, 
Andor. Uh, we feel like it hasn't been discussed as much uh, because we want to be, we don't know why we'll discuss that, but we want to <laughs> spend some time uh, getting excited for it and sharing our excitement. Right, Ken? We are very excited for this show and that's no secret if you've listened to us, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a interesting time to just go, Hey everybody, stop. Let's look at the show. Don't, don't, don't overlook this show. There's a lot of things in there that uh, you and I often uh, mentioned we're looking forward to. So we're going to kind of bottle it all up and put it in this episode. Exactly. But as always, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www audibletrial.com slash four center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We are still recommending out of the shadows by Justina Ireland, the latest high Republic adventure. We're going to be digging into that very soon. And if you want to be all caught up, you can do it by downloading your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for a free audiobook on us. Uh, but that's not all that's on us right ken it's not uh, we have another offer inside editions publisher of a ton of great star wars books is offering 35 percent off across their website if you use this special link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 this week we're recommending the inside editions book the lightsaber collection again use the link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 and every time you hear the you say the lightsaber collection, I can actually just hear a lightsaber igniting, and it makes me very, very happy. So check that out. Uh, let's get into this, Ken. Uh, there's a ton of Star Wars storytelling coming to our screens in 2022. Uh, we know that the Book of Boba Fett is debuting in December. Who knows exactly how long it will take for the, the book to uh, play out? Maybe it will be in 2022. But even without the Book of Boba Fett, we also will be seeing Bad Batch Season 2, uh, Kenobi Season Only, I think, uh, <laughs> Mandalorian Season 3, and then Andor Season 1. And it feels like in the general Star Wars community, Andor is probably the least hyped right now. Uh, and we wanted, of course, share why we're excited about it. Here are some of the quotes that I pulled from the from people involved to just kind of reframe what this is. Here is what Kathleen Kennedy said during that big Investor Day uh, 2020 announcement of a thousand wonderful things. Kathleen Kennedy said, one of the most exciting and ambitious new series we have coming to Disney Plus in 2022 is Andor, a tense, nail-biting spy thriller in the Star Wars universe created by Tony Gilroy. And then in the sizzle reel that was played during that Investor Day, uh, here is what Diego Luna, Cassian Andor himself, said about doing the show. There's a ton of possibilities to explore it's the building of a revolution. So right there, those two quotes get me excited. But Ken, I, I want to ask you, what is your sort of elevator pitch to other Star Wars fans of why you're excited for this show? Here it is. And I actually wrote this down. So if it sounds like I'm reading, I am because I really wanted to make this elevator pitch worth it. Uh, no, I'm excited to take a little more time with what was actually what it was actually like to build the rebellion that changed my life as a young fan. Even if I thought the Empire had cooler toys, which I did, and go up close and personal to see the links that these so-called rebels had to go to just so the movement could stand on two feet. And I want to see the emotional cost the choice to do so took and really, really was. Mm, I think that's really, really great. You're very, very focused on on the the building of, of the revolution, as Diego Luna said, right? 
Yeah, and 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 that true that co- that sounds like a real that sounds like an elevator pitch, right? The cost, the cost. But that's as we're going to discuss what we see behind the eyes of Diego Luna and a lot of the characters of Rogue One, and that is just uh, uh, bittersweet, actually, in its excitement because they went through things. Yeah, yeah. Here's my super super short uh, elevator pitch. I think that this show has the possibility to be Star Wars meets Jason Bourne but with even more aliens, spaceships, and heartbreak. Yes. Uh, yes. The, the, the thing that is really, really exciting about it to me that, that uh, I always think about is the spy element, the word spy. Um, even the, the kind of press release uh, log line here from Kathleen Kennedy, she says, a tense, nail-biting spy thriller so for me that's the part of it in some ways that i'm most excited about i'm excited about everything that you're talking about of learning more about this exact era learning more about the rebellion's structure and philosophy through the character of cassie and andor but for me there was all this talk in 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 the fan circles uh when everything was still going to be look like everything was going to be rolling out with the star wars story anthology films we had so much talk about genre uh, in the general fan community of what would a horror movie be like? Could you ever do a romance movie? What would a comedy buddy road picture be like? You know, what genre do you want to see? And I feel like we're getting some of that through Disney Plus. But for me, this is the biggest example of just like Star Wars is built on a hundred genres and there's opportunity to really dive in. And this is just the perfect story of, you know, it, it's a kind of a, Cold War time where you're not sure who to trust, where you're going to need to get something done by maybe cozying up to the enemy or maybe sneaking in somewhere you shouldn't be and blowing it up, pretending to be someone you're not like all of the things that that we know from the spy genre. But in the world of Star Wars, that's so exciting to me. I think after hearing us both make our pitches that what we're saying is we want this show to be the cost of spying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the financial, <laughs> but more importantly, emotional cost of spying. Yeah. I want, I want there to be a rebel accountant. Do you know how much secret disguise outfits are running <laughs> right now? Yeah. I think the uh, the second part of my elevator pitch, if uh, the elevator stopped on the floor and I got to talk a little bit longer, uh, is Star Wars has always had this great tension between the fantasy and the realism, right? Uh, you know, you go back to A New Hope and it is, it's, uh, this young kid who's starting this epic adventure because he's given the ancient sword of heroes who once were, you know, it's so fantasy, but then at the same time, what has made, what made it so powerful and relatable is also like, yeah, but he's also got a garage and chores and a ship. He likes to fly. And when he can't fly that ship, he plays with a model <laughs> of it, you know, at the T-16 Skyhopper. So like from the very beginning, Part of the power of Star Wars is just out there bonkers fantasy and that real grounded realism. And what a great way to combine those two uh, is to get into that. Like the the galaxy is in a horror show and the only way that we can figure out a way to make it better is to have to lie and hide our truths and, you know, blow things up. And like, it's just a great way the spy genre is just a great way to deal with realism in a fantastic galaxy. 
yeah, and and it, it it's it's always been there for Star Wars on, on the edges, right? Almost like characters mention it, <laughs> right. stolen stolen data plans, uh, you know, the many Bothans died, all those things we've quoted on playgrounds for years. It's like Star Wars was going. There's some spy stuff going on over there. So I'm saying this in real simple terms. Let's get it in here. I love the Joseph Scrimshaw spy Star Wars genre film story. <laughs> I love it. I'm all for it. I get so excited for it. And then I, I didn't want to overlook this because I think one of the great things about the show Andor is I think the movie that introduced us to Cassian Andor contains a log line for the show, right? Uh, Cassian's speech, uh, I wrote it down to make sure I got it right, uh, when he is telling Jen why he is going to help her, why he is going to go to Scarif and, and try to get the plans of the Death Star. Uh, he says to her, everything I did, I did for the Rebellion. And every time I walked away from something I wanted to forget, I told myself it was for a cause I believed in, a cause that was worth it. Without that, we're lost. Everything we've done would have been for nothing. I couldn't face myself if I gave up uh, now. So that, I mean, that that's the logline, right? That, that These are going to be all the things he did <laughs> that he hoped was worth it, right? After now well over a thousand episodes together, sir, we, we are often in the same spot. And, and I, I'm joking here, but sometimes people are like, could you guys disagree more? It's not that type <laughs> of show, number one. This isn't a debate show. But I watched just that scene before we recorded. I'm so short on time. <laughs> and I'm watching the scene, Joseph, and I'm like, well, that's an episode. That's an episode. That's an episode. <laughs> You're right. I mean, whether or not, again, we always say, hey, we don't know exactly. We're going to be open to what they put out there. But, you know, the even the last part of, you know, I, I not quite, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, I don't want to quit now. It, yeah, it means he might have quit. <laughs> it means he might have <laughs> walked away and turned around like you're there. There's a, there's there's 12 episodes right there in that in that meeting. That, that yeah. Episode. Yeah. And that's possibly just season one. Uh, great log line. Great log line. Um, yeah. So let's get into a little bit of the, the mystery of why it, it's not as hyped right now. So. I would say that Rogue One is arguably the least controversial of recent Star Wars films. We've talked about this previously, but I want to just check. Do you do you still feel that way of like, what's the safest Star Wars film to uh, just bring up at a random party where no one's going to get mad? <laughs> that, this is the one. Or just say, <laughs> hey, Empire Strikes Back, huh? huh? Yeah, uh, but of the modern era, this seems to be one, and that seems to only grow over time as other films, you know, cause a little uh, hoopla. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's a beloved film, but also just like very unique in that it seems like either people like it or they don't passionately dislike it. They seem to be able to go like, oh, yeah, no, that one was fine or, you know, yeah. walk away. Uh, they didn't, don't have to dig in and, and be upset. Yeah, that, so, that's fair. Sorry, that's fair because I, I remember some people who were like fighting me on that movie in 2016 and early 2017. And then those same people are like, it's great. Which, which I'm happy for, but I'm like, well, what happened to those times where you're throwing coffee at me in the break room? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I hope that they all just had a little bit of time and perspective and uh, also cleaned up the coffee themselves. That's not cool. Um, so Rogue One, popular, and if not popular, not very controversial, which is popular for Star Wars. Why do you think that excitement over Rogue One hasn't quite translated to the Andor show? Is is it because first of all, I think there's a lot of uh, you hear you hear a lot with well, we already know what happens with the characters, which we're going to dive into and why I, I just personally don't agree with that as as an idea to not watch something uh, and you know Kenobi and blah blah blah. We'll go to that, but I think it, it, I think it's um, 
it's just a character. The, Rogue One, for all of its, uh, hey, it's loved or liked or at least tolerated the best. I, I think a lot of people didn't gravitate to the characters as much individually. Clearly, they are. We love a lot of the characters. We're going to talk about that. Uh, and we're going to keep talking about it here in Force Center uh, episode after episode. But, you know, Diego Luna is this wonderful performer, this great actor. And he's part of an ensemble. It's an ensemble picture. There's no heroes that we knew. There's no Han, Luke, Leia, all those things. Well, Leia kind of. Um, <laughs> no things that, you know what I mean? There's no, there's almost like no headline, uh, headline grabber. There should be. Uh, you know, Riz Ahmed as Bodhi Rook is one of the, the best things ever to grace Star Wars. Jenner, so hearing her father uh, speaking in that hollow is still one of my favorite performances, a uh, little moment stars. But overall, it's the action, it's Vader in the hallway, and all those things are great. But I think that causes people to look at this series as, I don't know what to expect from it. They die anyways, and even if you're looking forward to it, you're just kind of overlooking it. Maybe? That's a theory. That's no facts. That's uh, that's very interesting. I mean, I do think it's an ensemble picture with Jen Erso as the lead, right? You know, having recently rewatched it, you know, how clearly, obviously Jen is the main character, but just kind of oh. how clearly that that theme of it is kind of uh, the Erso family uh, versus Galen Erso or, uh, or uh, Orson Krennic, uh, not the Erso family <laughs> versus their own father. That would be sad. Uh, yeah, so, so there's a strength to that. And yeah, if, I can see people even really liking the Cassian character as a as a part of this story, but not really diving into you know who he is. Um, yeah, I think that for me, I think that's a, a part of it is that people um, are not either they're not excited by the era because they feel like we know that, or they haven't yeah. you know really lit onto the character of Cassian. And I think that to me is the magic is that I am equally excited for Cassian. This is an individual human with a fascinating journey, an amazing performance by Diego Luna. I think, you know, one of my favorite line deliveries of all Star Wars is, you know, I've been in this since I was six years old. He's yeah. he's so calm. He's so watchful. He's so just like a, a, a simmering uh, pot of emotions. And then he just explodes in this way that is an explosion, but still contained. It's amazing. So, like, I'm all there for Cassian as a character, uh, but then I'm also there for everything you were talking about at the top of what is this character going through because the era it is. And I think you're right. If you are either like, oh, no, I like that character because he's a part of that story of Rogue One. I like the Rogue One story. And if it's you're or if you're coming at it from the perspective of like, yeah, but I know what what happens. He does some stuff that he's not proud of, and and then he does a great thing, and and then he has a bad day at the beach, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, you're you're having a hard way to to come in to get excited, and I think it really is the marriage of of that unique character and that era that is exciting. Yeah, the era is a big factor too. You're right. I I it's that falls under that uh, category of, ah, I wish they do something new. Right. Which by the way, we understand and agree with, we've had many discussions about that. Um, but yeah, I think I hear that a lot too. That's a good point. Yeah. I also just think that it, this is the, the possibility of uh, new experiences for new eras. And is this one of the first star Wars, uh, big productions? Cause this is a huge production. We know from that sizzle reel mm -hmm. that just isn't getting as much attention and excitement because there's just so much Star Wars to Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I, I rewatched that sizzle reel. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the second half. Uh, if that sizzle reel was like, if they had announced like several years from now, <laughs> uh, there's going to be this Rogue Squadron movie. And then also here's a sizzle reel for our next show. It's Andor, you know? 
then I think we'd be talking about this a bunch. And I think just the fact that there's so much coming and I think people don't know exactly what this is makes it not, it's not that it isn't exciting. It's just the least exciting right now when there's so much. You're, you're right too. We're, we're spoiled. Uh, we're, we're wonderfully spoiled because you know, we have, no one's even wondering what the Lando show that was announced is about. Right. It's like, almost <laughs> like, Oh yeah. We cause simply because we just have so many things to choose from. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In that sizzle reel, certainly people did breakdowns. And I know, uh, I know that there are people who are listening who are like, what are you talking about? I'm very excited for Andor and, and, and you are, you're welcome here. Obviously we, we are excited too. Um, but I, yeah, that, that there are some breakdowns of that sizzle reel, but if that sizzle reel had just come out on a Tuesday or come out of an, an Iger con or a Bob con, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was the only piece of Star Wars news for like major screen Star Wars news for two weeks at a time, we would have been, we would have picked its bones clean as a Star Wars community, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you're very right. You're very right. Yeah. And we just uh, didn't because we're so lucky to have uh, so much. Uh, yeah. But the time will come. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? No, I just, it's, it, I have almost nothing else to say, but I want to highlight that. Like, no, that's when you, I'm even stopping thinking about it now going, gosh, and and there's that comic coming out. This is going to be, yeah. As I've always said, it's a good time to be a star Wars fan. Still. It really, really is. Um, so looking at the film rogue one, uh, for a little bit of hints at the way Andor might feel or move or be, uh, so, Rogue One, at the end of the film, right, hope and optimism do really win out. But the film itself is a little bit more gritty, a little bit more grim than a lot of Star Wars. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, absolutely, which is probably another factor into why uh, it's relatively more liked. Um, and we'll, you know, maybe that's liked or misinterpreted as dark and gritty. It's just a fun conversation to have. Not Maybe not today. But I think that's... That's fair all around and, and, and kind of what I'm expecting here. Okay, cool. So so you are expecting and wanting that tone from Andor? Yeah, I want it to look the same, feel the same, everything the same. <laughs> I was just watching, like I said, watching the bits of Rogue One, uh, getting ready for the show. And I was like, hot damn, I, I love it. I, I, I just, everything about it, the look, the feel, and and, uh, and the nothing. This is no disrespect to like the volume or anything. Like, I like that they're going to, they're shooting mostly practical, it seems, from what we've seen. You know, uh, sound stages, of course, as well. But like, it just—I just want to like recreate it, bottle it up, and sell it. Franchise Rogue One. (laughs) You want to wear the uh, Rogue One cologne, huh? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that it is the film Rogue One. When I rewatched it uh, most recently, I was really set by, uh, affected by. They don't quite frame it as this battle for optimism like they don't literally have a character kind of make any sort of theme statement early on of framing it as uh boy the the darkness of this battle is creeping in but it's everywhere right you know you start with Tivik being sure that there's the traitor and then saw's absolute paranoia and Jin's you know desire to be apathetic and Cassian is 100% sure that he is committed to the cause but he is becoming sort of corrupted by the acts that he has to take you know even draven you know coming out and whispering like you know uh, this is your real mission and then everything else in the film by the time it there's so there's all of that kind of grim and grittiness and and loss of the the sort of morality you're fighting for and if not morality um just any any sense of wonder or joy or trust or family right it's just kind of 
all being corrupted and it's all those things that are restored. Um, yeah. So, so given that that to me is kind of what that tone from rogue one is, I'm really curious to see how the show does inject a little bit of the, the charm and the warmth and the wonder that is a part of star Wars, or if it is going to say, well, look, this is dealing with a, a different time, a different era. And we're going to, we're going to stay pretty gritty. We're going to stay pretty grim. We're going to stay pretty high tension. I, I, yeah. Cause I'm thinking, thinking of some of the moments in rogue one. We know K2S was very funny in the movie. There's some great bits there. Uh, we know K2S is not in season one, at least from what we heard. So, I think you can find it and there's new characters and there's ways to do it. And almost this idea of, uh, you know, you get, to, you get a little bit of uh, hope, comedy, levity, and it means more because the characters understand it means more now because they don't get to have it all the time. You got to go through the mud maybe to get clean. And this, this episode, this show can deal with that at times. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm potentially excited for is uh, I think, the character of Cassie Andor, even in that very gritty movie, is very charming. Obviously, Diego Luna is uh, ca- is capable of being incredibly charming in his performance. So I'm hoping that we are going to see uh, some moments where it, it's a difficult life, uh, but maybe he hasn't, you know, had as many awful things yet. It, maybe that maybe we're going to see some of the awful things. And even if we do uh, see some awful things. I'd be thrilled with some just kind of like gallows humor of of people in bad mm-hmm. places, n- knowing that they need to find something to laugh at. You know, mm-hmm. the the Carrie Fisher, uh, you know, if you don't uh, laugh, you're gonna cry, or cry, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. You know what Carrie said? Um, yeah, especially you know if, along the way of Cassian's just more and more being broken down or doing things to the cost that his soul's being uh, broken piece by piece and. I don't think we're going to start with a, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky <laughs> for children in a circus or something. We already know he's been in this fight since he was six years old. So it, it starts in that place. But, yeah, I, I think, again, going to that speech you mentioned, it's like you just see him almost running through the memories uh, as a character, as an actor d- delivering the performance there, going through, yep, I did that. I killed that person. I did this. I stole from this. I hid this. I almost died here. And slowly losing that hope that uh, that he still has, because, again, that's his line, his line. He's holding on to that hope from the beginning of Rogue One. Exactly. Rebellions are built on hope. Uh, that's the, the great quote that uh, that Jin takes from Cassian. <laughs> I, I bet I bet a lot of people say it, but it's still very, very true. Uh, let's get into Cassian uh, a little bit more about what we're excited for from the character. Um, you know, what did you enjoy most about the character of Cassian in Rogue One? We were just kind of talking about some of it, but um, I- anything else to add? I mean, just who he is, and yeah, he is he is charming in his own way. Again, that's all Diego Luna bringing that to that character. And the thing, you know, you, you listen to Force on long enough, you, there's things you and I will repeat because we love it so much, whether it's a Terrace Nube lighting up your eyes or a bike <laughs> making me happy. I've always said how I just was blown away by the Rogue One novelization by Alexander Freed revealing that Cassian was a separatist or technically a separate from a separatist family. And and the reason I, I you know, it's not insightful now or fresh to say that now, but going back to that moment, I do wish it was in the movie because it made Cassian and the choices and why he was there for the rebellion so much more interesting to me, a child of the 70s and 80s who just saw it so simply in Rebels Empire. Cool, go fight it out. Good guys, bad guys, you know, make your dreams come true and and the complications. And so just the fact that as as we go through, you know, 
Let's not forget the prequels. There's talking a lot about and the Clone Wars episodes. You and I just reviewed uh, the the big Padme ones where we're talking about the Separatists and heroes of both sides. But to see that, I was just blown away, and that just made me re look at Cassian. And I already was pretty positive about the character, but just made me go back and go, oh wow, that rebellion I've grown up, you know, watching and rooting for was built by and made and be you know consisted of so many different people in the galaxy. And Cassian just, it just made him so interesting that what that must be to fight along some people that maybe you were fighting against. Or could you imagine being on a rebel transport and you have someone going, yeah, you know, it's just like when he, we fought those stupid seppies and I hated that. <laughs> you imagine what he's got? I've got to fight with this guy. I've got to fight with this creature, this species or whatever. Like that just made him interesting. And that's where I go to and build from there. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's absolutely great. I mean, I think, for me, just with the character of casting of who he appears to be in Rogue One, I just love this contrast that's in the film that he is this person with absolutely unwavering clarity on what he is fighting for, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of put uh, words to it that that maybe start to lose their their luster if you just say them as words like, you know, hope, freedom. Um, right. But I think the thing that really gets across to me in this, I have been in this fight since I was six years old and you know it, not all of us uh have the pr- privilege of choosing uh when and where to care about something right mm-hmm. you get the the sense that he is extremely clear on anything is better than life under the empire right that i have no choice but to fight be- because i don't even have a choice to just kind of pretend and go along like maybe some other people in the galaxy do so this great clarity for him about what he is fighting for that's awesome combined with you know the horror at what he has to do you know uh i I, one of the other scenes i love is when he is being pushed by Jin about getting the assignment to kill galen and he has that you know i had every chance to pull that trigger you know Mm -hmm. i disobeyed orders and really building up to that great moment at the end where he's the one who tells Jin you know, not to finish Orson Krennic off and said, just let it go, let it go, right? So this this character who is like, I am clear that I'm willing to do anything to stop the Empire because anything is better than this. But also I just, I have all of this heart and hope, you know, like that's the essential contrast of this character. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I love that you're highlighting the progression of his uh choices with a blaster as the movie goes on (laughs) it's right there for you right we always joke that sometimes our deep dive discussions are really just going it's right there on the screen do you see it it. (laughs) yeah maybe not deep dive so much as is refocuses refocuses um and i also wanted to talk about the the elements of his backstory that we're excited to explore it sounds for like for you you are all in about really wanting to hear and understand more about that separatist background right yeah, what 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 that was like, uh, the distrust of the Jedi, and that's maybe saying it in a nice way, uh, just looking at things from those sides. And, and but then having what was, you know, what was the exact moment we're seeing now with Bad Batch, a little bit of, you know, what what it's like when the galaxy switched over. But it sounds like they were already in the fight and then to realize, you know, we we, we lost, but then we lost and we're losing. And it's all the same. And, and, and you know, at six, he's in this fight. And he has no choice. But at some point, I, I, I'd like to think there was another choice, you know, as you, as you grow up and maybe he's like, you know, F it, I joined the Imperial Academy or I can go become a, you know, f- farmer on some planet. But no, 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 this ain't right. 
and I'm going to carry on this 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 family legacy, so to speak, and maybe learn more about what that meant and, and who his family was and and where they are or where when they left or when they were killed. There's a lot of those things in his past that are just really interesting to to build to what we saw in Rogue One for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I agree on both those points. I think for me with the Separatist thing, uh, I'm very curious and Simon Mothma has confirmed if we could actually see any tension between him and Mon Mothma, you know, who was, you know, a Republic senator. And, you know, Mon Mothma obviously has the the perspective of like, well, we were really manipulated by this guy Palpatine, right? And yeah. you, Cassian, uh, and the people who believed in the separatist cause, like we didn't have a political conversation. We didn't actually get to have those negotiations that that Padme tried to make happen. Uh, we, we were manipulated by Palpatine. You... And your family were manipulated by Dooku. Do you understand that? Does Cassian understand that he was manipulated? This is a fascinating opportunity to get into the heart of the Separatist story in a way that I think pretty much on screen only those few episodes of the Clone Wars animated show have done. Right. Yeah. And and to see it and 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 uh, put it there just in live action, not that it's not disparaging animation at all, but just to see it and see those words, you know, potentially hear those words coming out of the characters. Palpatine, Dooku, Padme, uh, manipulation, separatist, Mina Bonteri, throw all those names <laughs> out there because it's not just going to be a roll call of trivia answers. It's going to have great meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Dooku lied to you. Just that, that sentence alone, I would just be like five stars. Amazing. Best thing ever. Yeah. And, I, and I'll keep in mind here. And I'll, I'll jump in uh, with this one right now. You know, we, we know we're going to talk maybe about Tony Gilroy. And I, 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 I don't know the people making the show. Maybe they aren't super clued in on Dooku. Uh, I mean, other than maybe knowing the name, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm tempering my own expectations, right? <laughs> Yeah, true, true. Uh, and that is probably good to do. But even if it wasn't uh, something that that uh, used names, I think the, the fact of understanding that we all ended up in this position because we were manipulated into a fake war. But now we are sure we're in a real war. Yeah. Or the build up to one. That seems like important. And you could remove every name and reference and really hammer those themes, which gets, uh, you know, listeners and, and, and fans and, and, and folks like you and I really excited. I think the themes will persist, but, uh, you know, just, you know, Tony, we're going to throw in this uh, Dooku guy. Who's that? Just trust me. He's got to go in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if people are really diving into Andor and who he is, that, that's a, uh, that's an interesting thing. Um, I'm all, I was also thinking about the, okay, who or what did he lose in exactly how? And that made me go, you know what? I should double check Wikipedia to see how much has actually been established about Cassian. So I want to read this uh, paragraph real quick. Right. Uh, Cassian Jaren Andor was a human male who was born on the planet Fest uh, in 26 BBY to a father and mother. That's good to know. Uh, during the Clone Wars, Andor joined an insurrectionist cell backed by the Confederacy of Independent Systems that operated in the wilds of the Outer Rim territories and fought against the Galactic Republic. Andor saw his first combat experience in this cell as a child soldier in 20 BBY by tossing rocks and bottles at Republic walkers and clone troopers. Sometime during the Clone Wars, when Andor was still young, Andor's father was killed at the Corita Academy during a protest against the expansion of Republic militarism. Now, almost all of that storytelling is either little details from the Rogue One novelization or from the Rogue One uh, Visual Dictionary Official Guide uh, by Pablo Hidalgo. Mm -hmm. So there are actually a couple of events, a couple of specifics. And part of the reason I wanted to, to review that, Ken, is to ask you, do you feel like those uh, events from novelizations and visual dictionaries 
are are locked in stone or these days that could get thrown out. Uh, they are so locked and you cannot move them. They're a uh, king of the, uh, the mountain. You cannot push them down. Uh, yes, I would, uh, you know, we'll, we'll joke a few more times about Tony Garoy, but uh, he's going to be like, they made books of these. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Here's my scripts. And again, I know he, he, there's others, writers, his whole team and you know, they run things in. I have a feeling, you know, Pablo loves Rogue One. He very, he's very clear about that. Uh, you know, he might've been like, can I visit the set that day? I don't know. They're, you know, but I just would love to be a fly on the wall. Um, those are great details. But again, what are the themes of them? Because that's probably what we'll carry forward. Yeah, exactly. And, and for anybody not entirely up to speed, Tony Gilroy has been very clear about that. He likes Star Wars, but he didn't know a whole lot about it. And he feels like, you know, that gives him, uh, I, I shouldn't say he feels like, I, I think there's been a fan discussion about, you know, do you need to be a fan to uh, write Star Wars, but like I think there's just what we're acknowledging is there's a huge contrast from say like a, um, a John Kasdan co-writing Solo and trying to get in <laughs> every yeah. expanded universe reference that he loved as a kid into the movie versus Tony Gil- Gilroy going, uh, please do not even tell me what Terrace Cassie is. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a big contrast there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll live somewhere comfortably in the middle, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, my thing is, I, I think the the storytelling doesn't depend on how big of a fan you are. It, it can change the flavor of the thing, uh, but I don't think it. Uh, I think the team at Lucasfilm always make sure that everything kind of kind of works while still uh, working with the artist vision. Is my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, what kind of internal conflicts do you hope Cassian might be going through during? this period uh, i dug a little bit and i i couldn't find any confirmation of exactly when it's set uh but what what kind of part of his emotional internal journey do you hope this is i i'd love to pick it up on a point where he is he's already scarred and the old uh is it worth it again ken goes to the cost of this uh but but is, is there a point to a speech of you know I, i'm ready to pack it in and what keeps him going and who's he fighting for is that's running around his brain at what point is the loss too much or what point does he think all hope is lost and we aren't going to lose this. And, and I would love to see him kind of struggle with keeping, keeping that hope. The, the guy that says rebellions are built on hope. That sounds like a great bumper sticker. And it, it echoes throughout the, the, the rebels and the rebel Alliance there, but man, I, I'd love to see someone who's like, I, I just don't know if I have hope. Hmm. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I'm really, I would be interested to see if this is his journey toward deciding that he will do anything for the rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. Like having some doubts along the way, but then whatever adventure he goes through, whoever he gets close to, uh, whatever victory or pain he experiences makes him go, no, I'm on the right path. I am 100% correct that I'm doing the right thing. And unfortunately, I have to do anything to make it happen. I'm, I'm joking, but it's like it's almost like the uh, the opposite end of the Rogue One thing we we're talking about. Of starts by killing Tivik, ends by dad. Eh, don't don't shoot Krennic, and <laughs> does he start the other way? Where he's like, was the private Upham from uh, Saving Private Ryan? You know, spares the 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 one Nazi soldier, and that guy ends up killing his mate. Like you know, like does it start there? And Draven has to sit down and go, no, you always pull the trigger. I, I you know, I'm joking a little bit, but I wonder if it's something like that. I mean, no half measures, yeah. Measures again. He's not. He's definitely not a, had a happy-go-lucky childhood. This we know, but uh, you know, I wonder somewhere along the way of like, no, 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 no. This is really what we're doing. We're not just rebelling in theory only. We are going at it. 
get ready. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of keep going to spy stories I like. Um, you know, one of the main people who developed this was from uh, the show The Americans. And that a lot of that was really um, about kind of pretending to be someone you're not in order to do the things you need to do and really trying to keep things from spiraling out of control. But they always do. And you always have to go a step uh, farther than you really want to. And so then that makes you question is the awful thing I just did worth it for the big picture? Uh, so that really strikes me as is what is is still going to be um, on the table. And I also just really think of Casino Royale, the movie, but also just like the original James Bond novel, you know, and there are many other obvious spy thrillers. But, you know, James Bond is written by Ian Fleming, who actually was, you know, an operative in World War II really started from this perspective of, you know, it's not the bond of, you know, some of the movies where it's all a thrill. <laughs> yeah. It starts with a description of just how sweaty and disgusting a casino is. <laughs> can so it confirm, is, can confirm. Yeah. Having spent some time in Vegas, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the original Casino Royale novel, it, much like in the film, so I'm not spoiling anything, is Bond has come to this conclusion of like, this is awful why why would anybody do this and then what what happens with vesper he goes through this philosophical change and says oh it you know all the sides aren't the same it really does matter i'm recommitted and i'm I, and there's something about that that really strikes me of that this could be a, a moment of doubt about the rebellion and then something happens to make him go no i'm totally right I, I love that you said that. I, I Bond, Daniel Craig Bond popped up. I, I haven't read uh, the books like you have, uh, so I can't compare directly. Uh, it seems as though the film Casino Royale pulled some of those themes forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah and, and how uh, the, it, I've always loved that first one specifically of the, of the of the Craig series because it's like James Bond and immediately is like, kind of what am i doing <laughs> you know, there's, down. I just, there's that moment where he gets poisoned all stuff when he just has you just look at his face like i could have i could have been a mail carrier like what am i doing <laughs> so but and then the loss and then how how callous he is to some of the loss and uh, uh, you know to the in the beginning of the film i throw that in that's part of uh this ken loves the cost of things uh, idea i guess <laughs> um and it, does cassian does cassian as a spy is he does he uh, have to fake a relationship with an imperial, and so and, you know, and they, you know, and they died. I don't know. I, I'm all that stuff's on the table for me. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And in, in fact, that was the next thing I wanted to ask you about is the okay. external conflicts. Like we were talking about some of the internal conflicts uh, that Cassian might go through, but externally, what do you think his missions will be? What are the actual like physical conflicts that you're hoping for? Oh, he's gonna fight stormtroopers right now. No. Um, <laughs> a daring, bold proclamation. Yeah, I think it I I see it being a, a cross between uh completely totally spy thriller, I guess. I you know, undercover comes to mind all that kind of stuff, which is Star Wars uh, a tradition, right? Yeah. Going to that Tivic moment. What you know, it's about I need the information, give me the information. The information is what's viable to to lead us forward. We need it. And you're going to get us killed and I have that information, so that's why I've got to kill you. So him and getting information, whether he's as a spy or just an operative or a point of contact and, and the tension around that. And, and if we build up a cast of characters, again, eh, we know what happens to Cassian, but you might not know what happens to all the other players in that cast. Mm -hmm. um, who's going to go and who, who he might take out because he has to, and who's just a true pure baddie. 
those are the kind of conf- external conflicts I'd love to see. Just him making those decisions there on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that thought. Um, and I, I think that just to your uh, great joke about, I think he's going to fight some stormtroopers. I agree. I think there is going to be plenty of uh, speeder chases and shootouts and tense situations that get uh, resolved by chases and combat and hopefully some combat in high places. Cause I love that. Um, but then when you go into spy thriller, right? Like what are all the kind of missions that a spy might go on for the rebellion? Is there, you know, destruction of an Imperial facility? Is it, you know, uh, getting, uh, 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 somebody out, uh, getting another operative out who has been undercover. Is it uh, recruitment? Is it just a cold-blooded, from far away assassination of a key imperial? All those kind of things for me are on the table, but the one that is most exciting to me is deep undercover, right? Because mm-hmm. we have the great Star Wars tradition of <laughs> undercover means I'll wear your clothes for five <laughs> minutes to get from point A to point B. <laughs> yep. But I want like deep like uh mm-hmm. spy thriller you know john le car uh the americans uh it, it would the whole thing was deep undercover in the amazing possibilities of that I, i'm so hoping that there is some deep undercover like information needed from an imperial you know and he has to pretend to be their best friend he has to live with them right wow. uh and, and maybe even getting close enough to that thing where, like, I I have to really see them as human, and maybe even like, yeah, this person that I am I'm pretending to care about is honestly a pretty great person, and and I Cassian can understand they've been manipulated by the Empire, but they can't get it through their head that they have. But I kind of they're doing an awful thing, and they must be stopped. But I also kind of care about them, like the classic thriller stuff. I'm really hoping for that. Yeah, I love that idea, playing around with that possible idea of, you know, hey, maybe they're not so bad, but but they've made, you know, this choice, they're here, and I'm fighting for them just as much as, you know, a, a refugee on some planet or some prisoner in Wobani, you know, of just like, if I could just get, you know, I just need to get through to them, but, you know, at the end of the day, they might not, you might not be able to, maybe that's part of what Cassian has to leave uh, and leave behind, just, uh, you know, instead of this, to shoot him in the back of the head, but just like, I, I can't, I can't choose your path for you. Yeah, yeah, and in, in a deep emotional relationship like that, leading to to some kind of epiphany that he is on the right path. Because look, at I, I gave this person half a chance, and and they turned out to be awful. You know? Yeah, yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, final question for our first part of our podcast here: What are you hoping to learn about the nature of the rebellion at this point? I I keep going to you know this fractured you know, burgeoning army that must be pulled together. Uh, we, we aren't going to get yet Mon Mothma's speech, which we see in Rebels, but she's involved and Bale's still there and all that stuff. And then we know we'll talk about another character that we know is returning, but just, I I really love this idea. I go, I reason I always say going back to when I was a kid is I just, you know, you couldn't contemplate that, uh, you know, any of those folks wearing the, the indoor green fighting the stormtroopers didn't get along no seven or eight <laughs> and that's why some of the stuff i love about rogue one in in the in the beginning is um draven mothma we we know from rebels mothma and, and sagrera have some issues and we know from the movie as well that's set the tone for but that, that's fascinating to me to actually see that and and who's there going hey we we are literally all on the same team here how do we go forward and they're all secret in different cells and, and the tensions between the cells are just simply not knowing 
Um, it's funny you say Bond. I'm thinking that uh, was a Quantum of Solace where uh, Bond uh, takes out a, a, a British uh, a bodyguard agent, right? For the for the for the crooked uh, crooked uh, mayor or the friend of the mayor. It's been a couple weeks since I've watched the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I should know it more. But you know what I mean? Where it's like whether or not that guy was good or not, or whose side he was on, doesn't matter. It's like Bond. That guy you killed was was one of ours. And we have what did you do? We have to answer for all those kind of things. The rebellion having to deal with at that point because we are not at the striking from a hidden rebel base. They get their first big victory with Radis proclaiming we're, we're the Rebel Alliance. That's that's just always going to be intriguing to me because again, I love this era and I know I'm alone sometimes. Not with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think you're you're saying all the right words for me of like the rebellion ultimately by the time that uh, Luke and Han join and uh, it's a big celebration with uh, Jan Dodonna, I'm sure drank a lot that night on Yavin 4. They are the alliance, you know, but out of necessity, we know they're structured for a long time as cells. And and by nature that like, you can't know who, but some other people elsewhere agree with you and they're doing a thing. Don't worry about it is not an alliance, right? Yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't emotionally feel like an alliance. So it, I think that's what what, it, what all those moments of paranoia are about in Rogue One of like, it's been too long where, where this group of people didn't quite know who to trust even among themselves. Uh, and and di- diving into that for the rebellion is really great. The other big thing for me that I want to know about, you know, again, we don't know exactly when this is set, uh, but what kind of things are considered victories at this point, right? Because we Ooh, know well, the big tasty. story. That's sorry, sorry, I stepped on you, buddy. That's no. t- that's a tasty sentence. <laughs> because it is a time where they have to keep going with hope. But is it just really like okay, uh, Mon Mothma's goals are really realistic? Of just like we we just need a little information about X, so I can decide what to do with it, or we just we just want to slow down Thai production by five percent, so we could take out this one facility you know like and are they like great that's all we can do right now yeah i mean look at star wars rebels has some great moments you know getting the b-wings all those kind of things or leia delivering the hammerhead corvettes all that stuff is uh great get the y-wings to jandodana's cell like all that stuff uh surface level stuff so there's that but then also what you're saying if like <laughs> you come back three of my guys are dead uh but i got this uh scan disc of information like Yep, that's the victory. Are you are you serious? That's the victory. Yep, what's on there? Two names. We needed two more names to get over. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm joking a little bit there, but I, I think that's a that's a great concept. Awesome. I'm very very excited to see if that has anything even remotely to do with the show. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, I think in this first half of our podcast, we are demonstrating that we are indeed very excited about Andor. We're going to talk about a few more of the things uh, that we're excited about after this quick break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com, that's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com, for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion about why we're excited for the Star Wars television show Andor. Ken, we've talked a little bit about it, but let's dive into the cast. Uh, The cast includes the confirmed return of Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, 
what are your hopes for this character for spending some quality time with Mon Mothma? Well, my hopes are that this spins off the Disney Plus series Mothma, the Mothma <laughs> Rebellion. Um, I have just, over the years, just grown um, more fond of this character for what she represents and from just a little bit of screen time and a, and a great write-up in the, in the novelization Return of the Jedi. Which I always joke is a is a logline or template for what Rebels kind of uh, touched upon, which also could mean what Andor touches upon. So I would love to see again, because depending on where she is in the timeline, I'm trying to remember. Maybe she does. Maybe she has given that speech in Rebels. To be honest, I can't quite remember the timelines right now. So maybe a couple of years before, right? Um, just to see the strain that this strong person has on her as she tries to hold it all together. And hold, uh, you know, again, that's what I love about that. You know, some of the opening, you know, briefing room scenes of Rogue One of, uh, hi, I'm trying to lead a rebellion. Hi, I'm Draven. I'm trying to kill everybody. Hi, I'm Saw Gerrera. I'm launching rockets at kids. Uh, I'm Bail Organa. We should go into fighting Congress. Like, there's so many different ways, and each one of them might be valid to a certain degree. And she tries to weigh all that and occasionally might have to make those tough calls with the information given. I'm not expecting her to be in every episode. I understand that. This is Andor. It's not Mothma, but I think there's going to be, she might be the Padme of this series, that steadfast uh, moral compass. Oh yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. And I did, uh, I missed this in my, uh, my summary of information. So my apologies to listeners, uh, uh, according to an article from Variety, it is set five years before the events of Rogue One. All right. So she hasn't made the speech yet. Yeah, so kind of around the same time as as uh, Rebels, right? Yeah, as Rebels would launch, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, and the Rebels, and that's very much everything is still sells, right? Yeah. Um, so that's great for me because I think one of the things I would love to see from Mon Mothma is honestly uh, uh, the political side of it, you know? Uh, especially for a Star Wars show that's going to dive into a little bit more of the realism, most likely. Uh, the politics are part of the realism. And we kind of know that people like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa and other leaders of the rebellion stayed involved in the Senate. Um, yeah. And I'm sure to just kind of try to gum up the works or, you know, expose some of what Palpatine is doing. So there get, could be some resistance uh, from just, you know, voters, um, the people of the galaxy. So I would love to see a, a little bit of that of like Mon Mothma is like, well, I'm, I'm, uh, here's why I'm still in the Senate and what I'm what I'm trying to do there. Uh, well, also, I am really actively saying, hey, could you slow down tie production over there? Hey, could you steal? Mm. Could, we need to raise money to pay for some X-Wings. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, really, on one hand, trying to gum up the works in the Senate and on the other hand, actively building a rebellion. I, you know, and I hope there's a one-on-one conversation with Noah Jabell. Oh, you know. Priceless. Yeah. I would absolutely love it. Death Star, this is nonsense. One of the best quotes in Star Wars. Uh, yeah, no, I love, I love what you're saying. I, and, I, and we're we're very happy Genevieve O'Reilly's back, someone who has uh, carried the torch of this character since Revenge of the Sith uh, deleted scenes. Exactly, exactly. Uh, a lot of other uh, cast announced, but I wanted to focus on the characters uh, that we might know. Obviously, we know uh, Mon Mothma. Uh, but then confirmed cast member Stellan Skarsgård uh, let it slip in an interview in a foreign language that was then translated, because nothing will get by people, uh, that Forrest Whitaker uh, will allegedly be returning as Saw Gerrera. Uh, we always love Saw, but what are your Saw hopes for this show specifically? 
to do what Saul always does, which is to look across our at our characters and be like, you think you're heroes? You think you're rebels? You're not even beginning to do it right, according to him. And again, I, I think there are some mistakes and, and, and bad choices Saul has made in his, in his rebellion, but uh, it comes from such a place of we've got to get this done. And whose ears does he get into? We know he has this feud with Mothma. We've seen it in Rebels. I don't know if that's going to play out if he is even in. And I think Stellan said he's got a scene with him. So what character is he playing? I don't know. But I just want him to be in the ear of some of these these, these rebels. And again, going to that briefing scene of Mothma saying, yeah, you know, we, we disagree on some of the methods. But looking around the room like, oh, saw. But who in that room is like, no, he's not wrong. We need to be more like him. Or, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's horrendous and we shouldn't be doing this. And where does Cassian fall in that? Where does he believe? Uh, what does he believe at this point in the timeline? And Saw is always there to push you in a direction he, think you sh- he thinks you should go. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like that because we did we did get to see Saw in Rebels, but we saw him you know, closer to the end of that run. So mm-hmm. uh, this would potentially be a little bit earlier. Um, and it would be great to see him in, in a place where, where he himself is really uh, losing it, right? Uh, or yeah, yeah. beginning to lose it, right? Um, and it would be great to he's always such a great character to use as these sort of, uh, the, the ambiguous moral compass. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which way is he pointing and why and how, and, and is a great contrast, uh, to Cassian. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Either that or him at the, uh, dangerous space zoo purchasing Borgolid. <laughs> <laughs> we see the origin of that. I don't yeah, think it's that kind of show. Yeah. I'm making a purchase. <laughs> how much for the Borgolid? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't that, think we'll that, be doing that. Yeah. That's what everyone's like. He got a, he got a pork up. No, okay, he's he's lost the plot. Yeah, yeah. That that weird to me line in Rogue One where he talks about the unfortunate side effect is one it tends to lose one's mind. Uh, always makes me feel like for some reason he used the pork gullet on himself. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. see if what he thought was true was was true. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be happy to see that too. I'd, I'd be happy to see Saw Gerrera using the Borg gullet on himself. Love it. <laughs> so the show is confirmed to be 12 episodes. What do you think that means for the shape of the show? Um, just kind of a, for a comparison, you know, uh, obviously Mandalorian has not been uh, 12 episodes. Uh, and the, um, a lot of the, the, MCU shows on Disney Plus have been a little shorter compared to, say, the Netflix Marvel shows, which were 13 episodes, and people thought those were often a little bit bloated, was a, a common criticism. So this show is, uh, in, in this modern streaming area era, 12 episodes, uh, that's quite a thing. What do you think that means for the the way the story is going to be told or what the story is? Some nice, slow, roasting patience and pacing. So I think <laughs> we're going to have a lot of action. A lot of big things, but we're going to take our time with some of the things going on, which means we could have that Noah Jabel conversation. Uh, and it's fu- so funny, uh, you know, obviously we we both grew up in a different era where, you know, network TV was 22, 24 episodes. And if a show said it's, oh, we're a mid-season replacement, we have 12 episodes, they'd be like, what's the point? Come on. <laughs> Season one of Wings or whatever. Um, but I think uh, I-, I think this that's just right for this era. Yeah, I think what it means for me, just on a real practical, structural level, is uh, I know I keep saying this opinion, but I feel like these six-episode shows are are structured to be just like slightly 
slightly longer. They're longer movies, but they're still holding the structure of a movie, a very specific three-act structure with uh, mostly one big story. I feel like with 12 episodes, you were looking at room for like more of what is a traditional season of television of uh, a central internal conflict for Cassian, maybe an overall arc for what is the the big ticking clock of the the problem he is driving trying to solve but within that i'm really imagining several different missions and you know room for cliffhangers room for bottle episodes you know that are really very internal i just think there's so much room um structurally for multiple thrilling spy missions and really room for those uh, emotional stakes that you're talking about mm, yeah yeah. And it's, it's also just funny when I'm here thinking 12, 12 episodes, it is weird to think I was like, that is long, which really no, <laughs> from what we grew up with now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like a lot of the really prestige shows, right. That's a little bit more of like the length of a prestige show season. So yeah. I think uh, that makes me excited because it makes me feel like if it was six episodes or even eight, I'd still be uh, really excited for this. But 12 really does mean some elbow room. Mm-hmm. And on that topic, uh, go into that sizzle reel that came out on Investor's Day. Uh, costume designer Michael Wilkinson says that there are over 200 named cast members, over 6,000 crowd people. For you, what does that tell you about the nature of the show? It 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 means this is going to be big and sweeping and all those TV critic buzzwords. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying we're going to have dragons and fighting castles, but you know those those are big numbers on like a Game of Thrones kind of level of of, of what you're squeezing into 12 episodes. Then then those 12 episodes becomes short. Now one big scene could have you know 3,000 extras, whatever I know, but you know 200 name cast members, of 200 people with a point of view and a line, and something to say and something to do. I'm excited to see what that can bring, especially the way they're shooting this. Again, not taking any shots of the volume, but just seeing some of the scissor reel shots of, you know, things exploding out on on sets and all those kind of things. It's just, uh, I think it's going to be more epic than people are uh, are thinking it will be. Yeah, and well, how would you feel about that if the show is really has an extreme, goes to extremes, right? If there's uh, an hour that is absolutely action-packed tension, huge explosions, true cinematic Star Wars epic, and then the next episode is, you know, uh, Cassian in a limited space going through huge emotional turmoil about what has happened. And it just like, if it went back and forth like that, would you be okay with that? Would you be excited or would you feel like kind of tonal whiplash? Thrilled, excited. Look, I, I am someone who, uh, when people are like, eh, R- R- Rise of Skywalker was too fast for me. I'm like, have you watched Star Wars before? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was a, raised on MTV editing, but yeah, I just love that. Give me that. It's it's the scope. It, 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 it's what's going on in the galaxy. There's quiet things. There's quiet internal conflicts and there's uh, an empire oppressing the hell out of a galaxy yeah in uh, yeah that's what's exciting to me about this is a spy thriller does need moments of quiet tension right like mm-hmm. uh spy thrillers are great for the ones that get a little bit more action oriented like daniel craig bond and, and mm-hmm. jason Bourne. that it is explosions and impressive fights and chases but i also love spy thrillers that are just sort of like Oh no! Um, if if the wrong person sees the boot I'm wearing today, they will recognize me from that meeting we had a year ago. And everything, everything depends on whether a person recognizes my boot. 
you know, like that kind of little intimate tension is so exciting to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, cause I'm not expecting, you know, Cassian to be in an X-wing, right? (laughs) I'm expecting to be hiding in a hallway, breathing heavily as he just goes, I hope they leave. I hope they leave. Yeah, absolutely. The, I would happily take some uh, heavy breathing hallway tension. <laughs> uh, I think for me, the, the 200 characters, uh, name characters, mean uh, very, very difficult to memorize for trivia. Uh, but more importantly than that, I think even though it's called Andor, obviously he is going to be the lead character. Uh, they have announced a, a cast of great actors we've talked about before. Um, that this might be not not fully ensemble, but almost a little bit more like the movie Rogue One, right? Where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Jin is the, the main character, ultimately, structurally. Um, and that I feel like this is, Cassian's going to be the main character. We are going to be following the A story uh, with Cassian. But with that amount of name characters, even over 12 episodes, it makes me feel like we're going to be introduced to some other characters that we haven't known before. And they are going to also be protagonists and really moving B stories ahead as well. Yeah. You're, you're going to need it again to build this connection to, to new people that uh, it's going to make each episode a, a thrill ride that intention filled. Who's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to meeting these new, new characters. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, that's a huge thing that somebody like Cassian would have to deal with is if he is operating in a cell, if he did recruit someone and mm-hmm. we get to know that person and he loses that person, that's huge. Big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then last thing I want to discuss in that great uh, sizzle reel is uh, there's a bunch of uh, concept art. And as we all know, sometimes concept art ends up being like, wow, that's almost exactly what we see on screen. And other times it's "Eh, here's an idea. We'll see. So doesn't mean it's going to be in the show uh, by any means. Uh, But this is my uh, description, understanding of what's in the the concept art. So uh, your mileage may vary. You might look at that and go, I don't think that's what that is. But for me, I think we're seeing an image of uh, Rebels planning a mission. Uh, looks like they're all kind of looking at like a model of a base. I don't think they're building that for fun. <laughs> uh, we see Cassian on a speeder uh, shooting, very action-packed. Uh, we see an image of uh, Cassian and uh, a figure that he's with uh, dressed up on some kind of cold planet. Looks like they're lurking under a cliff, hiding from TIE fighters. Uh, we see a Venator-class Star Destroyer from the Clone Wars era being taken apart in a... Uh, big open space, which you need for a Venator class mm-hmm. Star Destroyer. Uh, we see Cassian flying in a ship or a speeder and the cockpit window is cracked out. So it looks like some adventure. And then there's an image of what looks to me like this huge data center that's very Star Warsy, very spacey, uh, but it looks Imperial and it looks like the Imperial version of working in a soulless cubicle office. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, so I- Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so, so I should expect Cassian in an X-wing. I forgot that. No, yeah. yeah, I mean that's our that's re- <laughs> yeah yeah maybe in an X-wing or whatever that ship is. Uh, but also, you you should expect some Office Space crossovers yes. for sure. For sure. Yes. This is Jason Bourne meets Office Space. <laughs> Going to burn the Empire down. <laughs> if anybody takes my space stapler. Uh, so, which of those images are exciting to you? Because there's a mix in there of yeah, it's Cassian having adventure, doing you know he's on a speeder, yeah. he's in some kind of vehicle, he's shooting, he's hiding from Tie Fighters, and then there are these images that are a little bit more mood building about yeah. the era. So you know what's interesting? I I'm jokes aside. I the data center thing is 
is intriguing to me because it's, it's, it's like, is this like Mr. Robot in space as well? We're going to get a little bit of that, some hacking. <laughs> we, what, do we, what do we got going on here and how the, the information they need is probably in whatever is in that data center, right? Um, so there's something about that that makes it uh, a fun location, even though probably because it's so boring and mundane. But the Venator class starship being taken apart, I do remember that. And I do remember being excited about that. Uh, this is not to say that uh, the, the the thunder from that has been stolen, but Bad Batch touched upon that itch a little bit for me of, hey, that's that thing I know from that thing that's in another era uh, and, and all those kind of things. And and even uh, seeing some of that uh, you know, when they pick up, uh, you know, old uh, Bill Burr and his uh, Space Boston accent over there and then when he's tearing apart uh, old Imperial ships, it's that same kind of itch of what once was is now being dismantled. I might have been more excited for it without that some of the other stuff, but I'm not saying the other stuff dampened it. I'm just like it, I'm almost commenting to myself of now I'm looking at the data cubes. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think it's both those images that are exciting to me the the Venator class and the the space office, <laughs> not office space, the space office, yeah. uh, and for the similar reasons. Like I'm excited for the action. I would be disappointed if there isn't some traditional classic uh, Star Wars adventure serial type action. So you know, the speeder, yeah. the hiding from the Tie Fighters, awesome, great confirmation of of some of the classic ingredients in Star Wars. But the Venator class Star Destroyer being taken apart is really speaking to, yeah, Star Wars is this generational story and what happened before matters. Things evolve, things change, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Sometimes things have more than one meaning. Uh, somebody can look at that Venator class Star Destroyer and think, you know, my planet was overrun by battle droids and that ship then mm -hmm. was salvation. It was hope. And maybe Cassian will look at it and say like, it was, it's exactly the same as it was, as it is now, you know, yeah. it, that is, that is a ship of doom and it always has been. And you were suckers, right? Yeah. Like, but just the fact that it's there means that it is a part of the conversation. All this rich storytelling of Star Wars, like that, the era of the Clone Wars is haunting this show as it should. As, 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 as it should. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then that that space cubicle is just so great because it it does suggest infiltration. You almost look at that and it's like, does Cassian have to get a horrible day job at you know <laughs> uh, the the Imperial version of Intertrode or all those great uh, yeah. tech companies from Office Space? Uh, uh, what is it that you say you do here, Cassian? <laughs> that is just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. That's what Cassian is. Um, but you know, so it suggests that infiltration possibility, but it's also just kind of like this great fresh image of this, uh, ongoing truth of, of the story of the empire of it, it's an image that you look at it and your soul just shrivels a little bit. Right. Cause it, mm. it looks like humanity being, you know, mechanized. Yeah, gosh, absolutely, absolutely. What it must be like into there. I'm thinking a lot of um, the spaceport uh, uh, on Corellia uh, in, in Solo and, and, you know, how they're, you're able to kind of maybe buy your way out because someone who is uh, working for and underneath the Empire is not in a good spot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe maybe uh, Cassian will encounter Falthina uh, Sharesta, just like Solo did there as he was trying to leave, uh, which actually brings me to my final question, Ken. Uh, which is the question I think that must be asked now of all Star Wars shows and films and comic books and everything. Who else from this era would you like to see appear in the television show and or? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to uh, 
bang those drums until it happens somewhere. Uh, you know, a, a young Captain Ray Sloan, a Infus Nest uh, having a meeting with Sagarera. I, if I, I must make that happen. How do I manifest that into reality <laughs> of that kind of stuff? And, and, and it would be in, intriguing to me. Uh, young Imperials, it could be maybe recast. Uh, you know, a, a young Piet, a young Jer Gerard. Uh, I'm sucker sucker for that. <laughs> give me give me something with that. This is uh, this is uh, Lieutenant Jer Gerard. Uh, Jer Gerard, like. Uh, hello, how are you doing? Uh, you know, uh, Credic uh, being there as well would be interesting, uh, which I can't forget. I, I forget where we are, are on that. If if uh, Mendelssohn has spilled the beans or not, or I don't. I can't remember. Uh, he is not in anything that I am. Yeah. I am seeing here. Yeah, I know. There's all these. Oh, sometimes a lot of rumors. Just wait for one of these actors to. We, we need Mads Mikkelsen to just fill all <laughs> And interesting enough. You know, I don't think he'd necessarily have a place in the story, but uh, Galen's off hiding. But if at any point his name is mentioned or something else, I could see it. But anyways, that's kind of my list. It sounds like I've talked about it before because I have. I really want to see those characters in live action, Ray Sloan and Infus Nest. I mean, Ray. We, uh, absolutely. Team, but you know what I mean. In the show. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think those are great ones. Ray Sloan is absolutely uh, due for a screen appearance and makes a lot of sense. Infus Nest, uh, is, that character is so great from Solo and is a character who could shed some light on the Rebellion. Uh, so this is a little bit later in her timeline after she encounters Solo. So um, again, I, I don't think this is the kind of show that's going to be like answering lots of canon questions about tying together details. Like, right. uh, you know, but who knows? Maybe there can be an uh, offhand mention of uh, how how those 60 million credits got spent. <laughs> Yes, 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 that would be great. I would love that. Uh, I did double check uh, that I don't think uh, that Jimmy Smith is confirmed. Okay. Um, I think he's been asked about being in Star Wars and said, yeah, hey, sure. Yeah, what could happen? Sure. Yeah. What? Yeah, good. Um, but I would love I think Jimmy Smith is phenomenal. I think Bale is such an important character. I mm. That would be great to see Bale. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. I guess I just I just assumed at this point. That's incorrect to me. Uh, yeah. So so that would be wonderful. And then uh, here's the one that uh, I am going to predict is not going to happen, but would be fascinating if it was right. Uh, so grim, a little bit more grim, a little bit more gritty. I think a little bit more realistic is what we're all seeing. What if Ken Cassian like had to infiltrate some uh, creepy? A lab space or some even even like some just like uh, hideout of bounty hunters or whatever he just peeks in a door and he just he sees Grogu <laughs> and then he just shuts the door love it yes <laughs> yes yes that would blow people's minds of like Cassian Ender you get in there and you rescue Grogu <laughs> or you know this would be a great opportunity for you know Tony Gilroy's going wait 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 Werner Herzog's in Star Wars now get him in here get him in here now that would be phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I'll say, like my last one is the uh, Ozel, that uh, a young Ozel. Let him make a fool of a slightly yeah. younger Ozel. I'd love that too. Yeah. Steal something from Ozel's desk, clumsy, stupid Ozel. <laughs> you know, we can knock all these out in one. If a Cassian has to infiltrate like a young Imperial officer's, you know, ice cream social, and it's just <laughs> yet, it's it's Moti, it's it's uh, Tag, it's the whole crew, Ozel, Jajarod, Krennic, whatever. Put them all in there, Sloan. That, that's where they all are. He has to steal one of their to-go coffee cups. Yep, <laughs> done, <laughs> done. Yalaren, all of them. Yes. Uh, 
actual final question, because I lied and said final question, but it made me think of it. Uh, how how would you feel, or do are you feeling strongly about? Do you want no lightsabers? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I I think I think it would really work unless we're gonna you know I don't get a live action Kanan <laughs> at some point. Um, you know, Rogue One was the closest to well, so well, no, Solo forgot them all. Um, you know, but Vader and all the stuff aside, you know, Rogue One's essentially without it, but not without the Force talk, which could still be very much present in the show with with Cassian's background. I would love no lightsabers. I'm going to say it. I was sorry. You know what? I was stumbling. I was trying not to. I'm going to put my fist down. No lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, because even Mandalorian, it looks like it's going to start out one way. It's like, oh, no, he's carrying a Force-sensitive child for the whole thing and in, yeah. encounters a darksaber, which is a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I would love uh some either discussion of the jedi understanding of the jedi obviously the jedi mean he's going to have opinions about them having been involved with the separatist cause yeah. uh, he is the one who, who's quick to say when he sees curative is he a jedi like so he's not a jedi what are they guy yeah um so i you know i wouldn't be upset to have him either encounter a, a down on their luck jedi or to um encounter uh, somebody who's using a lightsaber, even if they're not a Jedi who took one, I, I'd be okay with that stuff because I think that the show is, in general, going to have its foot planted firmly in a different part of Star Wars than than Force and Jedi and Destiny and Fate. Well, but I mean, look, I'm not going to fight it if there's a lightsaber. I'm not going to fight it. Yeah. yeah, look, you just want quality lightsaber, right? Yes, yes. But I, I but I do think there is uh, that discussion uh, that that is worthy of. Uh, Star Wars can be all these things. So maybe, maybe just once there should be a show that doesn't have that. Maybe. Yeah. Or, or a TV show. Or a movie or a TV show. Uh, but for myself, uh, I, I would like, I'll, I'll go this far. I would like, if not a lightsaber, I at least want the words Jedi said because it's important to the history. That, and that I do. That, that absolutely uh, would love to see because it is, again, part of that Cassian backstory. So I'm with you on that 100%. Awesome. Awesome. So there it is. We are both saying Grogu's going to for sure appear exclusive right here on Force Center. Yeah. <laughs> Jokes, lies, deception. Mark it down, dude. Mark it down. Mark it down. So that's our big discussion of why we're excited about Andor and some hopes for uh, what exciting things could happen during the show. Any final thoughts, Ken? Uh, no, I, I, I don't talk about this show enough because I just don't want to bore people I, I am truly excited for the show excited for excited for everything there's nothing coming down the pipeline that i'm like nah because it's star wars but this one touches a lot of things i love about the story of star wars the making of the rebellion and just goes back to my childhood and says you're gonna get more of these stories sit down wait it's gonna take a bit but you're gonna get there exactly um and and i'm just really excited because i think a part of the reason that there isn't as much discussion is because it's still in the grand scheme of things a little way out it hasn't been hyped by lucasfilm as much that sizzle reel came out where at a time where the same day is uh same hour is a bunch of other amazing announcements confirmations all that kind of stuff and i really do think that given the popularity of rogue one giving the talent of Diego Luna, given how fascinating this era is, that I think a lot of people are going to be really surprised by this show. I'm really hopeful for that and excited for that possible future. Absolutely. 
All right. Do you want to let people know where they can find us? I'd love to. We are the Force Center Podcast feed. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of different spots. Just search and find us. But places like Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Amazon Music. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Uh, once again, get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. As for our own personal things, believe it or not, we do things other than talk about Star Wars. Uh, you can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to Cadnapsock.com. I do some work over, over the fine folks at the Good People Association, GPA. Uh, we uh, just launched a Kickstarter for a board game called Futility, the Actual Game of Living. Uh, search for it on Kickstarter. Or I'll tweet out a link probably one to 50 times a day, right? Because that's how you do Kickstarter. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> Joseph, what do you got? Yeah, for myself, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, my other podcast obsessed, you can find links to all of it on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for those Venator class Star Destroyers, this has been Force Center. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.